0: Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time, Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu. I am joined by co-host Blake Murphy for Hour One, and uh, this is what we have for you today. A really busy day on the show, uh, on the heels of interviewing Commissioner Adam Silver, which I'm still reeling from. But um, yeah, Hour One, we're going to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy. Um, first we're going to run through a lighthearted interview that I did with Gary (laughs) Trent Jr. Yesterday, uh, which we're going to run for you shortly in segment two. We will catch up with Michael Granger Sportsnet on everything Raptors third quarter. We got Tim McMahon, AKA him McMahon, AKA Ben McMahon on to chat about the Western conference. And then fourth quarter, we'll bring in producer and co-host Alex Wong to do an Asian roundtable with my Boston will Lou clone switchy Tarada of mass live, but mostly we're going to talk about, uh. You know the the Celtics game that's gonna be taking place. Um, and am I
1: like in trouble on the show something. now if I say I don't think you guys look alike?
0: Uh, no, no. Actually, that's that's the opposite of being in trouble. Okay,
1: I don't really see it. Okay, well, I know it's a f- it's fun bit, and he's obviously a great guest, but I don't I don't see the the look alike that much.
0: Well, we will have him on Zoom, so uh, we can we can do the literal side by side comparison. But um, anyway, first off, we wanted to give you this interview that uh, we recorded with Gary Trent Jr. This took place uh, yesterday afternoon, shortly before the Rapid City Social. Um, So without further ado, this is that interview. Joining us on the show once again is Gary Trent Jr. Um, Gary, first off, welcome back. All that kind of stuff. We need to get your dad back on the show too. So this is just a shameless plug to tell him to pull up as well. All right.
2: No, I got you again. All he needs is somebody to listen to. He's crazy. That's all he wants somebody to do is listen and he will talk all day. So
0: <laughs> listen, we're gonna we're gonna call the clear out. We know what to do, man. When we interview him, we don't even prepare questions, bro. That's that's what we do. We we just chat with him. All right, listen. Yeah, so um we're gonna talk a little basketball and then uh we'll 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 talk uh, fashion, we'll talk style, we'll talk your collaboration with Gillette. But um I wanted to take you back to this summer. This summer you chose to opt in stay in with the Raptors for this season. Um, I wanted to ask you sort of what went into that decision for you and um, how are you feeling about it right now?
2: To be honest with you, really just most of my decisions in life was basically was just best for, you know, my family and myself. To be honest with you, to start off, obviously I've been here for a certain amount of time now with no matter how everything is going on, no matter what's going on. I continue to try to come in and work and try to do, you know, whatever I can to showcase towards winning. And that's what I'm gonna continue to do, you know. So to be back here and where we're at now, new coach, whole new system, a whole new, you know, couple new players. Right now we're trying to continue to figure it out and get as many wins as we can in the process, you know. We're still learning, we're still showing improving, we're still getting better every day. But the thing is if we stay together. And we continue to attack every single issue and problem that we have as a collective group and go at it head on. I feel like we'll be fine. You know, if everybody stays together, nobody points fingers, nobody makes excuses, nobody you know does this, that, and the third, it'll be a great thing.
0: All right. So um, one thing we keep talking about on the show, because we're tracking, especially with Darko coming in and bringing a new offense, right? We're tracking the results of that right now. And obviously you guys are off to a bit of a slow start. Um, offensively. Defensively, you guys are solid like we kind of expected you guys to be. Um, Offensively, where do you see the room for growth for you guys as a group collectively?
2: Spacing, knowing where we can get our buckets in the offense, knowing what's our strengths in the system, knowing what works, what doesn't work. Again, wrinkle out in the kinks and continue to watch the film. You see okay, here, what just doesn't work here, how we can attack this there, you know, and formulated and that's what it's you know really about really really all about is continue to try to you know find different ways to win and find different things that work right
0: well i mean you're obviously going to be a big part of the offense um you know it's something where the last couple of seasons we've seen you up around almost 20 points a game um you know right now you're, you're a little down but at the same time we know what your level is going to be how do you feel in terms of your fit your comfort in in the in the in the offense right now
2: Again, I'm going to continue to try to come in and work and figure it out. Just how everybody else is figuring it out. Again, whether I've, what I've done here in the last three seasons, whether it's minutes up from last last few seasons here, minutes down, shots up, shots down, playing time down, if, if you're finishing games, not finishing games, none of that really matters. You got to come in and work whatever time you out on the floor that's what you know you're showcasing and that's what you got to try to do in the time of impact the winning. So again, my approach every day is to come in, you know, work, be a great teammate, and you know, control what I can control and try to come in and contribute to winning. And that's my main focus and that's all I really focus on.
0: Got you, got you. All right, so earlier we talked about you choosing to opt back in with the Raptors. Um you know, if you had to pitch someone else, another player in the league who had never played in Toronto before, if you had to pitch Toronto, both as a city and as an organization, what would that pitch be?
2: A great city, has great food, you know, uh, a pretty decent nightlife, a pretty great fan base, a great following. It's not just a state that's behind you, it's a country behind you. You know, you will come here, you'll be able to work, develop, have some winning, you know, some winning traditions and some winning you know understanding and work ethics and championship you know ideology and thinking on winning you know does is different you know I just had an interview and I was talking to somebody everybody's perception is different on you know how they were in brought into the league whether you're the number one pick Mm is going to be different from somebody that's from the second round or if you're a 13th pick you know everybody's perception is different and you know everybody's organization is different as well too you know when i first got to the league or on the outside looking into the league you would think oh it's the nba it's kind of a template and a format of how each organization is and that's not the case at all like every organization is literally different down to the medical staffs whether how they interact with each other or interact with the players down to the coaches down to the front offices from top to bottom everywhere but really here i would say it's really uh come in or work we're coming to win championships we can have some fun we joke around here and there but we don't play around too much you know in a sense with our approach you know with certain things and we, you will come here to win it you know you'll come here to be a part of something that wants to chase greatness and if wants to be a part of greatness and if that's something you want to be a part of or do you know this would be the place for that
0: yeah i hear that because the word you kept using over and over again is winning right and, and that's what it's almost a running joke how much Masai says it, but it's not funny like that because it's actually what he believes in top down organization. You know, we walk in the gym, it says win on the big board. So, I mean, look, listen, it's a journey to that process too, you know, obviously because we as fans, you know, and media, we saw 2019, we saw how fun that was, but you know, it was that whole journey that led up to that point. And I think the, Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we're 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 hoping all to get eventually to that point. Last question on basketball. Um, before we talk about fashion and all that kind of stuff. But um I had to ask you this because it happened it it happened (laughs) last week. Y'all closing. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it feels like they're trying to shut me down. Uh you got called for your first career flop against the Mavs. So this is a new rule, right? (laughs) A new tech, whatever. You got a tech for flopping. mm -hmm. You didn't even hit the floor. You kind of just got knocked back. I think it was Dante XM you were guarding. But your reaction as a player in the moment, have you ever been called for flopping? And also, I guess you never got a tech for flopping. because it's a new rule, but
2: what was your side of things? I probably would have been called for one. I don't even know if i ever been called for a flop, to be honest with you. But two, to my defense, if you rewatch the clip, he made contact. All I did was just stumble back. And then I tried to come back to playing defense. They thought it was a flop, but again, it was contact. But that's what the call was, and there's no changing it in the middle of the game. So, it is what it is. Mm.
0: I mean, I, I think. Look, as the league, they're definitely trying to um, implement new rules and, and whatever. But I feel like it's got to be like one of those like meme-worthy, egregious ones. You know, you falling over all this other stuff. Like,
2: yeah, it, th- I don't th- know, th- <clears throat> you falling over, rolling. But you know, they they pick and choose on you know what they are yeah. called. So it's all good though you know I'm gonna come in and still play hard and play defense you know keep my hands out and whatever's called is going to be called
0: (laughs) that's right it's not in your hands anymore all right so uh we gotta we gotta pivot over and uh I want to mention so you know Gillette is announcing the return of its choose your game face campaign in celebration of its continued role as the official shave and beard care partner of the Raptors and you obviously you're part of team styled, you know, if you watch a Raptors game, we see you on the commercials, you know, you on one side, Grady's on the other side. I'm going to ask you about Grady in a second, Uh but okay. So take me through your process. Right. So, um, you know, like what is your like uh face care routine when it comes to taking care of the beard?
2: Well, you know, keep my game face ready. You know, you see the nice beard, obviously King C. Gillette has amazing products, whether you can, you know, wash condition to have a nice trimmer you know you can do whatever you do with that you know can look good feel good play good that type of thing but you know that's really about it you know my beard has been growing you know you brought up grady he's not there yet all the <laughs> yeah. way but i don't know if he'll ever you know, get there man <laughs> nah, who knows you know maybe if he grew up a little bit you know he might but again speaking on grady it was great to you know obviously have that opportunity to even film you know the the shoot with him, we had a couple photo shoot, a commercial mm-hmm. shoot. That was about four or five hours. You know, it was even before the season even started, so I wasn't really even being around him every day. So it was early introduction of just who he is and how he conversates. You know, his approach to it as a rookie was super serious, and it was super. It was super cool to know see him working in that light. You know, obviously you see him shooting and practicing in the gym, but now I'm seeing him trying to remember lines and say uh, certain photos and take certain poses and stuff yeah. like that so it was cool just to see him in that light so you know it was good
0: well i was gonna say well grady you know these kids are different right this is part of the nil generation you know what i mean like this ain't his first ad <laughs> he, you know what i mean yeah, he
2: was part of that he was part of that it's crazy. yeah
0: yeah, yeah. you saw my draft day not only with the suit everyone was looking at the suit people didn't see the chain though
2: yeah he'd be he stay super icy he already icy he got Couple chains on the okay in, you know. That's that nil bread, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, listen. On the topic of Grady, right? Who is obviously part of Team Smooth, and mm-hmm. looks to be he's going to stay on Team Smooth for a while. If I have to predict, you know what I mean? But um, yeah. so I'm thinking about him, and he's coming in as a 19 year old, and I you also came into the league as a 19 year old as well. So what do you remember about like coming to the league as a teenager still and trying to figure out sort of both what you're supposed to do on the court and also life off the court?
2: A hundred percent. Really just on the court was just the pace and the speed. And, you know, as the years went on, everything slowed down and it gets slower and slower as the years continue. You know, off the court, I already had a, a pro approach to my life prior to me getting to the league. And obviously my father being in the league and all the resources that I had to understand what it takes to be a pro and the things you need to do. So I wouldn't say too much of that changed, but really was just seeing, I would say, other players in the NBA, whether they was mentoring me or, for example, when I went to Portland, just seeing how Dame and CJ and Melo and Evan Turner and Chief Aminu and how everybody had their different approaches and their different things. And I watched how they carried themselves on the court. I watched how they was carrying itself so off the court, you know, everything. So just trying to learn, absorb, and, you know, he's doing the same thing. And Brady's been doing a great job. Again, like you said, he's 19, and he he has a long way to go. He's going to continue to prove, and, you know, he's there. He's playing. He's nowhere a finished product of what he's going to be or what he can be, you know. He continues to work, and the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, and you get the sense, too, that he's already a really mature kid, you know, for his age. I don't know if that's just for us in the media, but is he is he <laughs> like that behind the scenes? Is he – Is he mature? Yeah, I would
2: say he's too mature. But you gotta think, you know, he's a he's kind of a mature 19 year old in the sense, but you gotta know he's on the team. So a lot of still, a lot of jokes and a lot of stuff. Nothing wrong with it, you know. He does joke around a lot, or make certain sounds or certain things or laugh or certain (laughs) stuff. But you know, it's great. He's funny. He's hilarious, and you know, he's cool. People. All right,
0: I want to ask you one thing about fashion before I hit you with this little surprise. I guess you already know about, but um you know your teammates right there's this is such a big thing now in the NBA where you walk in the tunnel is this huge thing everyone wants to put it on the fit um and you know I, I'm just looking at the your teammates right now there's such a certain diversity to it there's there's Garrett Temple who comes into every game looking like a Bay Street lawyer you know yeah. suit three-piece shoes super, everything super clean,
2: super clean and professional
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then there's you Right. Well, I would say that you're 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 the most fashionable guy on the team. I'm not, this is my own personal opinion. But, uh, yeah. you know, you, you got your style. Um, But then there's there are certain guys in the league that just come in sweats. Do you ever talk to them about that? Because it's just like, yo, at a certain point, like, I guess some guys just opt out. And they're like, yo, I guess I'm just coming to hoop. Like, I don't need to do all this. But I want to hear your perspective on that.
2: No, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a lot of guys that, you know, that do that. It's even certain guys, you know. And our team that may do that, you know, shout out to my man, OG. You know, OG will pull up yeah. sometimes in, a, you know, uh, some basketball shorts, you know, in a hoodie with no T-shirt under, you know what I'm saying? But that's just come his on, swag. Man. That's that's his style. And, you know, nothing wrong with it. He comes to the gym and he no business. So it really don't matter, you know, what he wearing or what he pull up in. As long as you come in and handle business, you know, mm. they don't care.
0: <laughs> I know I got you, man. No, the funniest yeah. guy was – uh. I guess Yaka like this now a little bit, but Marc Gasol used to just always come to the game in his Raptor sweats, like ready to go. If, if he had to sit on the bench directly off was, the bus, like he was ready. He was ready. Like you got the sense that he had, yeah. short, he had shorts on under his pants. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not ready. So listen, um, you know, you, you've been giving out obviously a lot of fits, you know, on, on your on, on your uh, Instagram or just, you know, you walking in the gym and stuff like that. And I mentioned earlier that you know you are at least in my opinion one of the more fashionable guys in the league, if uh, definitely on the team. Uh, I just wanted to you know get your advice because again you're you're stamped in this front, so I need fashion advice clearly based on sort of what I'm wearing right now. So I'm gonna get you to to, to help me out with a couple of these fits. All right, you're gonna tell me if it's uh, if it's a smooth fit. All right, as in you don't really need to do anything with it. If it's a styled fit, like, you got to do a little bit more to, to get it to a certain point. <laughs> or if you just got to shave it off, all right? Shave off this fit, like, throw it all in the trash, all right?
2: All right, that got you, man. Let's see what's up. All
0: right, let me share this screen with you. So this is me, actually, before a game earlier this week, a Milwaukee game. I'm, I'm courtside. I'm doing a little radio hit, but I got okay. my jacket on. But I need you to tell me, is this smooth? Is this styled? Is this, Or do I got to shave this off?
2: No, nah, let me see this move bro you just chilling bro you on the chill vibe you see what i'm yeah. saying look you got the the vancouver with the gray hoodie under there Then with the with the gray you see them with the gray pants with the yellow top you see what i'm saying going crazy the white shoes is cool Uh-huh. it is decent but if you had what well, do go with it but if you had like a little bit of green in them like the little grizzly undershirt okay or if you had a, a tin of the little yellow in it and the shoes or something, you feel me? It could really go crazy. But that ain't bad, bro. You on, you on the radio. So that's cool.
0: <laughs> I am on <laughs> the radio. You're right. No, nah, yeah, man. I'm
2: going
0: to let you know. I'm a regular <laughs> civilian. I got like five pairs of shoes to cycle through. So I don't have no yellow shoes, unfortunately. But I appreciate yeah, you. That's you good. Cool? What about this one? Another one at work. So uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm in the camel right there. You might have to squint a little bit.
2: No, nah, that- that's smooth. That's a cardigan?
0: That's was is that a cardigan? No, it's just is a shirt, man. Is that a cardigan
2: man. or a jacket?
0: No, it's just a shirt, man. It's just a shirt. It's like a, oh, it's a fleece like shirt. A, it man. look
2: fuzzy. It look like a little fuzzy little. It is little fuzzy. Colorful. Yeah. See? No, it was okay. Yeah. No, that's hard. That's clean. I like that.
0: All right, yeah. baggy baggy pants then is cool, you, right? Then you
2: even threw the little the scarf over the swag on the mouth. Yeah, over the mouth. I like that. Like
0: <laughs> yeah. That. No, I, I know, I know, uh, I know, I know something that uh, I was gonna compare myself to you. I'm not gonna do that. Never mind. Forget that. All right. Next one. <laughs> nah, next that's one.
2: clean. That's clean. Ooh, that is that bread in your hand. So
0: this is this is a picture of me when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, I was the high school school treasurer. All right, okay. so we had to take oh, photos for student so government. you got
2: all the bands in your hand. That's why.
0: That's why I got. I, I think I had like forty five dollars Canadian in that in, Ooh, that, in
2: okay. that picture.
0: But what about the fit, though? As a as as a as an eighteen year old, what about this eighteen year old fit?
2: That eighteen year old fit, man, looks like you really about business. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really know to be eighteen year olds. That's you know coming with the button up, tucked in, with the polo. You feel me? You come about business. You come uh-huh. to work. You coming you not playing no games, and that's why you the treasurer holding the money because you, you was about business. You know what I'm saying? So, all right. ain't nothing wrong with that. That's clean. You feel know yeah. me? That's, yeah, throw in there, throw that in again. I even had, back in my day, I wear a jersey to school. Okay. Then the next day, I wear a sweater vest to school. Then I wear a polo button up. You know, I'll mix yeah. it up. All types of different cardigans. Yeah, sweater okay. vest. So Yeah, nah, this move. That ain't bad at all.
0: Yeah, what I got to do is is cut the hair, though, man. That haircut is is tough, man. That's uh, That's a nah. 2010 haircut, man.
2: No, ain't nothing wrong with that. You feel me? All right. It could even be longer.
0: Wow, it, it was it longer. longer.
2: That'd be hard too. You feel me? That's cool right there. But if you had it hanging, that'd be hard. All right.
0: Damn. I, I gotta let my hair down more. All right. Last one. <laughs> <laughs> this one is terrible, bro. They they have you doing a, a work company photo shoot, and um and, and ultimately this is sort of what they had um uh, sort of suggested to me something similar to this. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna need your serious help. I need a lot of help on this one, man.
2: No, that's cool. They, no, it's not come on, that bad. Gary. No, no bro. No, 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 Listen, no, it's not that bad. If they would have switched, if they could have just put like a, bl- a black turtleneck or a light gray turtleneck, you in business. That's okay. all. Okay, you're right, that's you're right. you to switch. They just got your turtleneck off, you see what I'm saying? That's mm. it. Okay. Wow, if they do what? a black turtleneck or a light gray, it could go perfect with the jeans. And then if you get too high, you can take the jacket off. And then the yeah. dark with the light, it'll contrast off. So.
0: Yeah, the, the hand rubbing the hand rubbing pose is uh is, is not the coolest pose. I'm not gonna lie to you. But I appreciate what you, man? Gary. Well, you you like the hand pose? <laughs> All, right. All you, right.
2: You was rubbing your hands together, right? And they took a picture mid picture.
0: <laughs> no, they directed everything out of this, man. They said put your hands together. They Said, rub them. I was like, All right, man, whatever you guys want. Yeah, so, ain't nothing yeah. wrong with
2: that. That's all right. You doing the Birdman rub together, hands. okay?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. All right, well, Gary, listen, man, I appreciate this, man. I gotta get your nah, consulting bro, in you real life, it. too, man. All right, well, listen, appreciate you for joining us on the show. All right, we still gotta get your dad on the show. Tell him we got a new studio, all right, okay. bigger that's studio.
2: The lights, the, light, the lights gonna flicker on and off,
0: bro. The lights were brighter than expected, Jared Allen style, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's all yeah, good though. Yeah, tell him to come through. I know he always makes a, a trip every, you know, month, two months or so. So But mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, hope you get healthy. Hope you get back on the court. You know, uh, you. big game against the Celtics. So appreciate you. All right.
2: Thank you, man. Be good. I'll see you soon. <laughs> all
0: right. That was... Uh, he
2: said you're doing the Birdman hand yeah,
1: gesture. Yeah, I was not
0: doing the Birdman.
1: Oh, uh, uh, that was great, man. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Uh, I, be-
1: also, I'm glad... I hope no bosses are listening, right? I, I'm glad you felt the same way I did about our our headshot sessions. Uh,
0: yeah. Back, Listen, uh,
1: I guess, two and a half years ago now.
0: I, I really appreciate the opportunity, and um, you know, ultimately that was my own wardrobe. So like, there's no one to blame but me yeah. in that instance. Now we
1: need Amy uh, back in, maybe not quite as loud as uh, what's coming, but somewhere oh, in somewhere we, oh in between God. our own wardrobe and uh, and what Amy could put together for I,
0: us. I should have got Gary to rate your upcoming fit. I should have showed him your yeah. photo, but. I think uh, that, that might be for another time. But It's also
1: uh, one that, yeah. like, I wish I had known what the outfit was ahead of time because I would have I done exactly what Gary was trying to tell you, which is, like, the shoes that I'm wearing right now, for example, mm-hmm. have a lot of gold accents because we'll be on a black and gold court tonight. Oh, so I mostly right. wear black anyway. So the the, the shoes don't really complement this, but yeah. the black and gold shoes with the black and gold court, um, you know, the, okay. the thing I'm wearing in that
0: commercial is black and gold. Um, but I'm in, like. Please tell me you're going to go home and, and put that on before you go to the arena
1: (laughs) no no um but i would have worn Uh, these kicks if with i had known but instead i'm in like a like a gray and
0: off-white one i think yeah well i mean you know this is good i i think fashion advice is something i definitely could use a lot of in my life um and it it did first off i mean thanks to 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 gary thanks to gary's people at clutch for for you know making the opportunity to, to interview him possible. but I also think that um, even just chatting with him a little bit, it didn't seem like there was too much interest in like specifically talking about ball. I got that impression. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's pivot towards something I know you're. You, he's you like, love. I don't want
1: to talk about my place in the offense. Let me see your worst turtleneck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, listen, we can have more fun conversations too. But I, I guess the last thing I want to say before the break is just, um, I just want to ask you, like, how how can we get Gary Trent Jr. back on track? Because so right now he's averaging um, ten points per game last two seasons for the Raptors he's at 18 and then 17 Um, he's shooting well below average from two he's at 38 percent from two last year for example was a career high for him 49 percent from two-point range and then also he's shooting 40 percent on free throws which is so odd because he was pretty much an 80 to 85 percent free throw shooter for the rest of the time in the league so how do we get Gary back on track because I feel like this is in terms of room for improvement offensively and I know he didn't really want to get into it so I'll ask you instead
1: yeah, I think there, more of it? there are a couple things. And one, like you mentioned the free throw shooting. Like a guy who is a borderline 40% three point shooter does not just forget how to shoot free throws. Like I think mm. that's all the evidence you need that this is a little bit of cold shooting noise. Okay. Um he's I thought he's done a decent job finding spots in the offense for that like elbow runner okay. that he has. If he's coming off a pin down, if he's coming off one of those DHOs, he has the space to get that off. The touch on them just isn't there. Mm. That's something he needs to continue to work on. Get that ish smith Etwan Moore, okay. kind of floater game right. uh up. I, I, look I, those are not yeah, you know yeah, yeah. elite players but they're very good role players for a long time because sure. they had that floater range uh in the mix where maybe you don't want to run a whole action to have him come off at the three-point line every time because you're trying to work a little closer inside you want some paint touches mm-hmm. um those should be available i think tonight gary is probable and og is doubtful So we could get a look at what it looks like when Gary is playing with more starters. And he's been the first sub in when healthy. So he's had some minutes with the starters. Scotty comes out and he goes in or Jakob comes out and he goes in. So he's got a little bit of minutes in those situations. But given how poorly the bench has played offensively, um, I think that could help to get him going as well. I don't think that's a justification necessarily for you got to start Gary. Um, You know, that's more of a see how everything settles once Gary and OG are back. You know, if Dennis shakes off the knee thing, you, you kind of reevaluate them. But I think in the short term, him getting to play, you know, 20 minutes with that starting unit tonight, if that's how they shake it out, I think that could benefit him, get a couple of easier looks and, um you know, a little, because in those bench units, I like him off the bench at times because you need that scoring punch, but it also means he's where the defensive attention is going. Yeah. And in the starting lineup, that's a little easier.
0: Yeah, I think Gary has really operated well as somebody who can um, finish plays, somebody who can, Capitalize with other players drawing double teams, and so when you're putting him off the bench, it does feel like he has to be the one generating the advantage. Mm -hmm. And I think just for anybody, but especially for Gary, I think it really does eat into his efficiency. Having said that, though, he's you know a pretty quality player, and and we have seen a much higher level from him in the last two years. And in terms of just like where can where is the room to improve in the offense? Part of the reason I asked him that question because I think he is the room to improve in the offense. Mm -hmm. Like he's the one that him and Pascal are the two underperforming for the offense, where we know they can be. Pretty good scores, but they haven't necessarily been that every game um, this season. And that's part of the reason why he's been struggling. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Any ways to fix Raptors offense will be great. You know?
1: Yeah, well, we'll see what we'll take a break and we'll see what Michael Grange thinks. By the way, uh, everyone, there must have been a, a mass text go out because every reporter Bradley Beals at at least three more weeks uh, okay. again. So that Phoenix Suns team is just we're, we're not going to see it. we are not going to see the three of them together until the playoffs, I guess.
0: You're, you're under on the Phoenix Suns. They're five and six better and better. But uh, we're going to take that break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
3: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkins Podcast.
4: <laughs> Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joining me for segment two are co-host Blake Murphy and Michael Grange. Uh, Grange, we did not tease your appearance on the show as much as we did for Adam Silver, so I'm sorry. <laughs> a little disappointed. You, did, you didn't get the Silver treatment. You got like a the, uh, bronze but, or something. You know,
5: I I I'll take it in stride. I yeah. understand.
0: it's all good. This this man was
1: huffing and puffing.
5: You guys did a good job. You got him. You know, asked him some good questions. Yeah. He's yeah. a good he's a good
1: dude. We have to yeah. follow up on the getting some skims sent in, but yeah. otherwise I think yeah. uh yeah. yeah, job okay done. Got a little G
5: League angle in there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Of course I'm gonna do that. <laughs> we were actually yeah, anyway, there will be more G League stuff next week. There will be more G League stuff. Get yeah, G League Adam
0: Silver on the line. You know, the G League's still alive every time Blake Murphy rhymes. Um All right. Grange, I want to ask you yeah. actually just before we even start on on that subject of uh of silver. Um, do you remember, you know, when you were like coming up Young journalist, you know, probably five years ago, yeah, exactly. based on your age. Um, was there an interview that you were like, you psyched yourself up for?
5: <laughs> well, one of them was, I mean, when I was coming up, I mean, nothing exactly that comes to mind exactly like that. I do, I think I've done a number of like kind of quasi almost documentary stuff, okay, here with Sportsnet. And, and so when you're like, a, a good example would be. Uh, we did a big Vince Carter kind of 30-minute talk. Okay. When he um, came back, right? The When he was with Memphis? Was he, that the when one? he was in Dallas, okay. it was like, I think it was, we pegged it to either 10 or 15 years after the trade. And it was kind of at that point where maybe we need to reexamine mm-hmm. exactly how all that went down. And it was like, you know, it was like a 30-minute documentary and a huge magazine piece with it at the time. and um, And so I do remember, you know, and Vince was... All, all game for it and going down to Dallas and and being nervous because so many resources have been plugged into this. Right. And you're just kind of worried you're going to screw it up. <laughs> you got to deliver <laughs> You know, so – so, but it, but to your point, the experience you guys had yesterday, it's a big figure. It's live or live-ish. I don't know. It was it, live. It was, oh, it live, was live, yeah. 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 Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's you want to, like, make sure every – Get every morsel out of it you possibly can mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah i mean i thought you guys did really well and yeah it's good for you i mean it's a good thing to have and um good interview to, to get and yeah i would understand be nervous about that for sure yeah well thanks grange i almost <laughs>
0: appreciate career advice no yeah. seriously yeah. same thing when dublin comes in i always just ask him well actually nowadays dublin just gives you career advice unprompted you know but I he scoots up to you and <laughs> yeah it's like usually before the game you're, like, you're not
5: doing very good you gotta to like, do better he's like, well.
0: Just because they lost to the Portland Trailblazers in November does not mean you got to <laughs> fire everybody. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. The, I mean, I, I, I did.
5: I remember a few years ago, I was talking, chatting, texting with Alex about this and interviewed Silver uh-huh. kind of in the wake of uh, all the stuff that went down with the mm-hmm. in uh, in Oakland. Right, right. And, you know, I give credit to Alex for this because, you know, at the time, I think uh, Adam Silver, Silver Adam, uh, I will call him Adam, he, um, you know, he had, Recorded that documentary for HBO. I think it yes. was about Masai, and kind of the the way it came across was probably not ideal in terms of how he made reference to that. And sort of, well, he was like, you know, <clears throat> when when you live on the edge like that, you yeah, know, sometimes was, you can get into trouble, which is not what happened in this case. Yeah, there was yeah. an implication that it was sure. kind of yeah. a, a two sided affair, and and you know, to, to Alex's credit, some other people on online on Twitter were kind of like, now well, that this, this the facts have come to light, maybe there should be an apology. And I remember going, up, well, yeah, maybe I will. So I got in touch with, the, you know, the commissioner's office and, and Adam was willing to do it. And um, But I remember I was like, my kids were younger at that time and I was like... I was always in the middle of picking or dropping somebody off or picking somebody up, and, sure. so, and so I just dropped my kid off somewhere, my son, and I'm, like, waiting for this call in a parking lot, and what's the cell service? I'm, like, recording. It, was, yeah. it wasn't live, obviously, but it was equally nerve-wracking because I'm, like, somehow I'm going to screw this up. And sure. sure enough, we had to do two or three phone backs because his connection was bad. But, but he ended up, like, he's a very, uh, I think, amenable guy and a very smart guy, and, and I to his credit, I think he recognized it. Like he was, he was wrong, and he wanted to make it right, and hmm. so you know, I'm sure it won't be the last time you guys talk to him. All right, well, I hope so. They they have I, a good
0: relationship with
1: Yeah, I hope and, it's and for Adam. better
5: reasons than the Maasai angle or yeah. some yeah. of the things we had to ask him about yesterday. For sure, but yeah, yeah. but that's his job too, right? Like he's, of you know, he's he's answerable, like it or not. Yeah, like a huge he's part of that job is everything. PR. Yeah. So. Right. Well, um, you want to
1: talk about the Raptors? Do you want to talk about
0: the uh, IST? A uh, 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 much less interesting topic than Toronto Raptors. No, go ahead. Let's talk about the IST.
1: How, how are you feeling for it? Because I got it, thoughts. Yeah, so we, okay. I mean, look, we've I all had thoughts. a chance now to get used to it. The Raptors are the 30th team to play. So we've seen three three in-season tournament nights already. We've gotten a feel for the courts. I actually thought the pictures that the team put out of the court today looked way better than the initial ones that we saw. So that looks cool. But is it going to matter? Do they care? <laughs> um, how much does the shot at five games from now getting maybe 500K extra? Like, how are you feeling about all of this?
5: Um, I think it's, uh, I think in the very short term, this is what's going to happen. And, and for me, like Pascal Siakam is a really good bellwether on this kind of stuff. Like, like it or not, like he's, I find him kind of, he does have a bit of an everyman vibe in terms of how he actually responds to hype and buzz and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's like, okay, well. It really matters if we win or lose. and Yeah, I liked what he
1: said to you in your piece at Sportsite.ca yeah.
5: of like, well, they're also regular season games. We should try to win every one of them. Why would we try to win right. these ones and, more? And this is something that doesn't get brought up a much, uh, enough. But I think what's going to happen, they're going to go to the arena. They're going to have their new fits. They're going to look, the, the court's new. And it's going to feel a little different. It's mm-hmm. going to maybe, I think it will get a little bit of juice going. and And I think as... In general, both players, because half of them don't know what's going on, and fans get more aware of what's going on, it'll build a little bit life of its own. I think, you know, by the time this thing is in Vegas and you've got a little bit of a Final Four vibe, it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun for fans. I think the players that'll be there will be into it. And well, then you're really close to the, like right now, it's,
1: I imagine it's hard. And I know Dennis Schroeder gave you a good quote about it, about like 500K is 500K. Right. Like we've seen him get really competitive in shooting drills with like a five on the floor. And now you're talking about a 500,000 right. uh, on the floor. But like that's harder to touch right now. If you get to Vegas and you're in the semifinals and then the finals, then it's like that game is for yeah. $500,000 each. I can see it. I, I don't have... Any doubt that the semifinals and finals on a neutral site in Vegas with actual stuff on the line is going to be very, very cool. It's just a matter of can they find the way to make the regular season portion of the in-season tournament
5: stick. And this is, you know, where where I've kind of arrived at. Obviously, this is the first year they've done it. So there's tons of tweaks and things available to come, I'm sure. But for this thing to really, in the end, have legs and really be something that People can point to and go, "Wow, this is the in-season cop." This is brought to you by Google or whatever it's going to be. Um, I think these games are going to have to hive, be hived off the regular season mm. because okay. what you're doing, and this was what pa- Pascal was saying, and which is obvious. You know, I was talking to some guys when the Wizards were in town. And it's like Monday night, November, Wizards, Raptors. Like, what are you going to – like, this is only so interesting to so many people. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, by elevating some games in the regular season of, over others, well, then you're you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like, well, I guess those other games really don't matter, right? Mm. So,
1: Okay. Um, and I think there has to be – so for anyone who doesn't know, the G League has basically tried to do something like this where the first 16 games of the season – the winners then end up in the, the G League showcase, which is in Vegas in late December when it's basically the unofficial start of trade season because all the GMs are there. Um, and, and who knows, maybe the in-season tournament replaces that in terms of the GM meeting side. But they've kind of done it as like, okay, well, we'll do a 16-game mini-season and then reset and do a 34-game season with a real playoff. I don't think that does it for the NBA as well. They have to find some way to... Right delineate but have them run parallel
5: and and so where i kind of was brainstorming on this is there's so much talk about like cutting back on the regular season whatever it is so maybe and i haven't thought all this through a to Z. so maybe there's a, a way the regular season becomes 76 or 72 whatever it might be but then there's another package of games that don't count in the standings that are specific to this event it's a true cup and you know and and once the sponsorship gets rolling and the identity of it gets rolling, it's real money. It's yeah. above, it's over and above the salary cap. Maybe there's some roster rules you can tweak. And, you know, that's, I think, what it needs is to be, this is our special thing. And, and like, if you're really blue-skying, maybe that's how you integrate world leagues in this. So maybe there's a, you know, there's a, a, a similar event in, in the EuroLeague where the winner of a EuroLeague plays the winner of the, of the IST, or maybe it's a EuroLeague all-star team against – something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I obviously these ideas are for free. Adam call your buddy. See <laughs> if he's in see if he's call him uh, back. see if he's interested. Yeah. But I mean we know but, European teams would be theoretically interested. Yeah. They already run the Euro League and Euro Cup system
1: concurrent to the regular seasons. Real Madrid comes over here to sure. play every time they get an opportunity
5: yeah. to. I think everyone's um, looking for opportunities to integrate. But I I I guess my real point is is as long as these uh pool games, these play-in games, pool play, I guess, is part of the regular season, yeah, I don't see how it ever gets anything other than kind of fun to be in Vegas. That's, personally,
0: that's a really good point. That's really interesting because
5: you know, again, they're they're
0: trying to base this off of um, European soccer competitions, and yeah, like what happens in the FA Cup does not count towards what happens in terms of who wins the league at the end of the year. Right. They're totally different things. Or
5: the Champions League, you earn your way into yeah, it and you're only playing these teams in yeah. the Champions League. So, what
1: is the timeline like on those in terms of, like, I know so that they, they're concurrent yeah. in terms of, like, on the basketball side, at least, like, teams have their, you know, French League roster and then, like, AS Monaco has their main roster. And then for Euro League, there are different rules around how many, like, import players you can have. Sure. So, there are some guys right. over there who, like, maybe only play in Euro League games and stuff. But then Euro League runs later in the year so most league championships wrap championships wrap up and then Euro still going the NBA I think has pretty clearly and will continue to like they want the emphasis to be on the first half of the season they would probably want this thing wrapped by the all-star break um h- how does soccer handle that element if they want to like if if the NBA say wanted to expand this but the cup still has to end in like mm-hmm. late January
0: yeah I mean it, it does kind of run parallel um so you know you, it the Premier League matches are pretty much all played on weekends, um, some on Mondays, but, like, that's typically what happens throughout the year. So, you know, on weekends, that's, like, the regular league games. And then you have midweek games where they're traveling to wherever in Europe, outside of their country to play other countries, uh, domestic teams and stuff like that. So that's, I think, you know, uh, the delineations that you can see in midweek versus, like, weekend kind of games. But I think to, to Grange's idea, it's, it's really cool because if you did have a separate sort of tournament that's like outside of the regular season at, entirely, maybe the NBA even takes a break and then they play this sort of thing. Yeah, you know? or
5: maybe, you know, instead of it being a Final Four in Vegas, maybe it's a 16-team, four-day thing or you know, week-long thing yeah. in Vegas, something, right? And and, and and to me, the key would be to really make it pop is, who because clearly this is being done to create a new broadcast property, sure. yep. right? Like, that's, like, let's not be foolish. And so maybe to really make it pop, it's like, yeah, this thing is—you got, you know, you're Gary Trent Jr. You're making your 18 million this year, but this tournament is a chance for you to make, you know, a big buck, like big boatload of money. Winners are getting, you know, winner shares like three million if you make it to the final four, like real money. Guys are going to okay. go, whoa! Okay. Well, it can't be bigger than the winner share of the. the, the, the you know, Larry O.B. at this point. I mean, it's not that big, though. I don't know. The, How, the playoff is, share. What, what is the playoff share? I have to double-check. I, I had like it when... it probably gets around to about a million, I guess. Okay. That's
0: that okay, right? what I mean, though. The, the The winner of the Cup cannot get more than the winning of I don't the, know. The Larry O'Brien. Yeah, again,
5: like these are three guys who have sure. literally I thought of this off the top of my head yesterday. No, I, I like but, this idea. But it really, really, it really does come from my idea, my sense that by overemphasizing some regular season games, you're – other regular season games, you're just proving the point. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't you know, Sunday against Detroit is eh, it's not a it's not that important. Otherwise it'd be in season. Yeah, so the that's end, important enough for all three of us to be there,
0: though.
5: <laughs> 4 p.m., baby. It's pretty Sunday. important for the Raptors, too, to maybe get a win. Yeah. It would be very important.
1: Um, so you get, there is a, a bonus pool right now for each place you finish in the conference and then making it successive rounds, oh, okay. best overall record. But the NBA champion had uh, an estimated $4.8 million pool. to split up between the team last year. Oh, okay. And that's right. plus their regular season. So the Nuggets also had the best record, right? So they would have been and finished first in the conference. So they would have had like close to eight million to pay out between their players by the end.
0: Oh, there's Um, built in bonuses for winning the conference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Each place. And they're not huge. Like, like once you divide them by 18 guys and, and this is how they get split up. When I talked to the Raptors about it after their championship, Mm -hmm. there is some like, like player input in how that gets split up because like,
0: because you could either go (laughs) like, Kyle was like, that's my money.
1: Yeah, but like <laughs> I remember talking to Jordan Lloyd and he was the only two way on the team. and He's like, I don't know. I'm the first like that was the first year of two ways. Yeah. No two way had ever won a championship before. Right. Um, Chris Boucher had the year before, but he was like no longer with the Warriors when they won the championship. So Jordan Lloyd was like the first two way yeah. to get a ring. And he was like, I don't know if they're going to give me a championship cherry. You <laughs> have, yeah, have to ask Kyle you. and Kawhi if I'm getting a, <laughs> uh, if I'm getting a piece.
0: Yeah. Uh. Oh man!
1: But I do think that's the main thing, Grange. Yeah. like it's gonna have to be yeah. spicy
5: at some point. If You want it to pop, you gotta, yeah. you gotta make it pop. Yeah.
0: But I, I, I am enjoying them. I actually am enjoying the game so far. They mm-hmm. do seem a little bit more competitive, um, with a little bit more
5: stakes on the line.
1: But I told you my theory too. The bright colors are making everyone feel intense emotions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Darko made a really
5: interesting point the other day, and this is interesting in the context of, yeah, like the whole timeout controversy in Boston last week, right? Um, is and I'd never heard this before, but he said in cup, cup competition sometimes, so if you've got a home-and-home home total score, thing going, or whatever it might be, and you're, as an example, up, uh, down three, and the other team has the ball, you might not foul in the first leg of that. Because, mm, because you, aggregate matters. Cause, yeah, because you don't want to put them on the line. They make two. You lose the game. Now you're down five. Better off, you just, you know, you're down by three, and you, you lift a fight another day. Little things like that. And, and again, in the context of, like, NBA manners, uh, you know, if you're up by 10 with two minutes left, well, you better try and get up by 12. We'll up think by 12, if, you better get up we, by 14. We experienced like, it with FIBA in the summer, yeah, right? Like, yeah. you point but differential FIBA, matters. in FIBA, everyone knows. Yeah. Here, it's like, wait a second. why? You know, that whole thing where they stand around, dribble the ball, and then hand it to the guy. Uh, that will not happen in In <laughs> theory, that, that shouldn't be happening. So, a little stuff like and that. That is a good thing, too, yeah. I think. That is a good thing. Because,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I,
5: more basketball is good. You know, yeah I mean of, like I said it has a chance to be fun and and the other thing too is like as this unfolds and like if you're like Indiana or Oklahoma City or um you know any other secondary market that's actually orlando a, orlando that's actually got a pretty good team like those guys should be motivated here's a chance for you guys to finally get some attention and as fans like you know the best outcome for this would be like an Indiana versus you know, Denver maybe kind of thing where you got like a real established team everyone knows versus one of these up and coming teams that would also add some juice to it too. Now that
1: we're talking about it, I do want to, because obviously the team side, the incentive for the team is like, well, they're increasing TV revenue benefits all the teams, right? So that's the big thing. But I do wonder like, If you had it wrapped close to the trade deadline, and like the prize on the team side was like a certain salary cap exception or something like that, nothing huge. Like you can't take on a max guy,
0: but like we just trying to entice uh, Dan Tolzman to take this thing more seriously. (laughs) I was actually
1: trying to entice Dan Tice. Uh, Daniel Tice, <laughs> okay. who's getting, right. you know, you you maybe jump yeah, the buyout nice. market that way, and a team has a small salary cap exception day. So it's basically, so that there's a way that it also feeds into your potential in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: right, um, makes sense, makes sense as well. Yeah. All right,
1: so tonight Raptors open the in season tournament. We tried our best against, not talking about Raptors against we, Boston. Try very best. Um, Strange, whether in season tournament or just based on how they reacted to Joe Missoula at the end of last game, are you? I'm not saying expecting anything like physicality or anything like that, but like having been punked like that by a division rival, and now you're at home and, and it's a special night. We're going to learn something about this Raptors team and how they come out,
5: right? Yeah, I think so. I I, I just hope you don't learn that. Wow, these guys are really under talented, <laughs> you know, compared to the elite teams because that's certainly how it looked in Boston. That's how it looked the last three times now they've played Boston where you've got one team that looks, you know, overdue to be a, to to win a title and one that's kind of pretending. Um, I would agree Blake that if you're not in this situation based on what happened in Boston, both getting your ass kicked, both having, you know, manufactured if you want or recognize some kind of slight, uh, with that late timeout and, and, uh, referees challenge from Missoula. um, and you don't bring it. We've seen this team first half, first first quarters, and first halves just not show up. So I would think if they're kind of doing their normal first quarter thing, I mean it, they're gonna have to answer for that. I'd be a lot more confident of their ability to um, respond if they didn't have OGN and Obi with stitches in his finger. Um, so like they're they're up against it. I mean I, I we'll see what Boston brings, but uh, you know just being at that game in Boston, I sure it's looked the same on TV. You're like this is. You know, there's one tier of NBA going on right now, and the Raptors yeah. aren't in it. And they were coming off the
0: Raptors were coming off two really great wins. There, there was
5: the, the thing about that trip and having get on it was there was that trip was set up for success. Like you had multiple days off between games. Okay, the travel was easy. There were off days. They were healthy. Like they should have rolled into that game on Saturday in Boston, and that should have been as good an effort as you can have. Boston on was road. on back to back too. Boston was on the second night of a. It was a home back to back, but still. Um, you know that should, to me was was I was kind of expecting. If I was a betting guy, I'm not. I would have taken taken Raptors in the spread. Like mm-hmm. I was like, they're going to come out and surprise some people. These all these things are lining up for them to have a great performance, and they were they were they weren't even in it. So um, so we'll see we'll see. But uh, you know, the they it's a long way of saying I think Boston's really really good. And and to your point, if you can't manufacture something based on what's been happening here the last little bit to bring at least your best effort, then there's going to be some more questions. Well, the,
1: the Raptors are eight and a half point dogs uh, tonight. So uh, people, the market is not Damn. super, uh, but, but there's nice. also this. So Gary Trent Jr. is probable. Okay. OG is doubtful. Uh, the three two ways are with the nine Oh five. Coloco remains out. Thad Young is out due to an illness. Otto Porter is out due to personal reasons. So they're pretty thinned out. Um, but on the other side, Jalen Brown and Chris Porzingis are questionable. So it, okay. this is a hard uh, one to read at this time of day.
0: Yeah. yeah I think I, I think I know what the ending might be, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess to that point, the Celtics have the luxury where if one of their stars isn't playing or if they're even absent, they have other guys who can they stop. They have four Der- studs. Derek White, even, who's yeah. not one of those four had like a 27-point game that was really, really huge for them just this past week. True Holiday had what was the – last time against the Raptors, had what
1: was the equivalent of like a 40-point defensive
0: performance? Yeah, True Holiday's like, yo, I don't even need to do any of this offense stuff, you know? Like, I'm just going to make life miserable for the Raptors. I think on the flip side, and we only have a minute for this really, but or two minutes for this, but um, the Raptors can't afford for for Pascal to be so up and down. So I I wanted to ask you just what you're seeing in terms of, you know, we are seeing an all-star performance every other game, but not consistently Mm -hmm. enough, and the Raptors don't have that – quality of depth to replicate that scoring anywhere else
5: yeah and um everyone knows it right i mean pascal when i was talking to him when we were in dallas you know he kind of said look <laughs> if i'm not good this team's not good and that's there's this exactly the point you're making when i had a huge night that night and he's um you know i guess what's interesting is can you crack the code as to why him and scotty are taking turns and is there a way that they can kind of play with each other rather than kind of your turn, my turn. And I'm not talking in terms of possession by possession. I'm just talking like just how they integrate, um, you know. And, and it, But I think it comes down to they want to breathe the same air, right? They are, they are at their best in roughly the same places, attacking roughly the same way. And, you know, does the way the rest of the roster is built around them accommodate that and that is the big thing because like I,
1: in theory two big forwards who can get into the paint and exploit mismatches like that's that everything team would works love to for, have that works for boston but you also have a center who doesn't <laughs> yeah. speak like porzingis versus Pertle in terms of
5: how that, those and, pieces fit together well the other element too is and i was thinking about this is is purtle like yeah he's but when they traded for purtle they had fred van Vliet. Mm-hmm. now you've got purtle and dennis Schroder, who's look all these guys in their own lane are, are really good nba players it's just the mix. And so, you know, I know Blake, you wrote that thing about the Siakam post-ups. Well, how do you, how are you going 0. Off, 0. 0.5 offense if your best, most reliable way to get your best player involved is, is attacking in a post-up. So yeah. well, um,
0: that's why you got to be a little pragmatic, you know, like uh, what works for your team and versus what you necessarily want to do. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is what works for your team is what I'm trying to say. But Grange, appreciate you. I will we'll see you down at uh, Bank later today for the IST. And we're going to take this break. I've been your host, Will. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
3: Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff
4: Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy. And we are joined for the third segment here by Tim McMahon. We had uh, we had Bond Temps on uh, last week, I believe. So we, we had to get the better half uh, or the better third, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> Tim, how you doing, man?
6: Man, I tell you what, I certainly appreciate being considered a significant upgrade over Tim Bond Temps. I hate to follow his footsteps in anything, though.
1: I mean, look, we aim for objectivity here, and objectively, yeah, this is a Bontemps upgrade. Like, the, the Celtics are in town, and <laughs> everyone gets annoyed of the Celtics because of the coverage and stuff. But really, people are sleeping on the 9-2 and two Celtics because, you know, they, they got to hear it from Bontemps
0: right now.
6: <laughs> well, I think the Celtics have plenty of people talking about them, so they're in okay shape there.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's the whole ringer network. All right. Anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't say that out loud. Uh, so we want to talk uh, uh, in season tournament um, impressions with you. Uh, we want to talk Mavericks with you. We want to talk a lot of the Western Conference uh, because we talked a lot of in season tournament. Let's talk. Let's wait um, until maybe the second half of this segment to actually talk about that. Let's chat about the the teams that you're really, really familiar with. I, I wanted to start with the Mavericks, who are sitting right behind Denver right now, second in the West at nine and three. Um, is this, is this for real? Like, I mean, I don't know. I guess the game that we saw when they played against the Raptors, the Raptors handled them kind of easily, but they were also a little banged up in that game. Where are you at with the Mavs? Are they as good as their record is right now?
6: I mean, listen, the Mavs have had the third softest schedule in the league, so certainly there's been some fortunate scheduling. Offensively, they are elite. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league as long as they have Luka and Kyrie. Like, any issues of chemistry and all that kind of stuff, like, those guys are hooping. Uh, and, and honestly, Kyrie got up to a kind of slow start, and they're still second in the league in offense. They're not a better defensive team. Um, they're still, you know, bottom uh, five in the league right now defensively. And so I don't think it's for real as far as them being a legitimate contender. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Mavericks have a, have a chance to be a top 16 in the West for sure
1: in terms of their aggression this year, obviously they pushed a lot of chips into uh, acquire and then re-sign Kyrie uh, chips as far as opportunity costs, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got a window here where, you know, Kyrie is 31 and who knows how long it'll last where, where he's as locked in as this. Um, Luca is obviously locked up for, for a long time, but there seems to be an itchiness here. Um, and they have emphasized having young guys in the second unit or, or even starting in Derek Lively. They want that second wave of, of guys, but how how patient is this front office going to be if, if February rolls around and they are in the mix for a top four spot in the West? But there is still kind of that hole on the defensive side.
6: Yeah, I mean, listen, they tried to make some upgrades and I think did with Grant Williams. Uh, Derek Lively is starting as a teenage center. <laughs> you know, the thing that really targeted and didn't get done this summer was a center. They had conversations about DeAndre, they had conversations about Quint Capella didn't get any of those done. They didn't draft Derek Lively to be the starting center. But at this point, he's shown so much potential and honestly been much more ready than they, they expected. I think it'd be a mistake to trade to bring somebody to start over him. Um, because ultimately, I think he might be the guy who determines Luka's at least medium-term uh, happiness. And you know, you said Luka's locked up for a while. He's not locked up. He's under contract. and There's a big difference in the NBA, um, having said all that, I've said this many, many times. I don't think Luka will look for a reason to leave Dallas. I think they'd have to basically be smack him in the face, and obviously that's why a repeat of last year would have been an absolute crisis for the Mavericks. That's uh, you know that's history, and they are off to a much better start this season for sure.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, bringing all these young pieces as well, I think is. Uh, I I didn't quite appreciate that that they had gone this youth route a little bit at least with the supporting pieces uh, around um you know Luca who's quite young himself and also Kyrie but the guys like Grant Williams are fitting in nicely uh you know Derek Lively obviously is, is doing well um okay over in Houston I wanted to check in because our old pal Fred VanVleet um has mm-hmm. obviously switched sides and, and gone over there uh gotten a huge pay raise but it's coincided with a, a change in the Houston Rockets. When I watch Houston Rockets now, they're not the incompetent Houston Rockets, as I've seen in many, many previous matchups. They've also had a bit of a soft schedule as well, or at least they've missed uh, you know, some key matchups in their opponents. But what are you seeing from the Houston Rockets right now?
6: Listen, their they're investments in Canadian prospects or products, rather. Fred Van Vliet and uh, Canada native Dylan Brooks, so far, they've paid a lot of money for both of them. So far, though, they've done exactly what the Rockets were hoping, and that's come in and not just raise the floor and make them where they would at least be respectable right away. After, obviously, they were – I mean, it was a rough rebuild the last few years. Um, but helping the development of these young kids who, you know, they hope evolve into stars. And, you know, we're talking about, obviously – uh, Jabari Smith Jr. and, and Jalen Green. Almond Thompson's been hurt. But then the best of that group is, it was the guy who wasn't a top four pick, and that's Alperen Shingoon. When you have Van Vliet, who's obviously been a championship player, been a leader, takes all that stuff very seriously. And then Dylan Brooks, does he say crazy things? Yeah. And, you know, is he going to cause some confrontations? You know, Cajones check guys on occasion. Absolutely. But listen, man, the dude competes. Right, and he works. Yeah, and uh, taking Adoka's credit, he's not taking crazy shots in Houston. That, as much as like all the poke the bear stuff blew up in his face, and you know, kind of the the, the talking for attention became a little bit much in Memphis. The reason they had been looking to move on from him was the shot selection and the, you know, kind of the. Discomfort, like uh, contentiousness, as far as him settling into the number four, number five guy offensively, he's doing that in Houston, just shooting it really well. But and, you know, it's uh, that's the stuff that 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 really ran its course in, in Memphis before the Bear poken.
1: So yeah. that's obviously a, a credit to Brooks, first of all, who was tremendous for us as Team mm-hmm. Canada I was in the say, summer. Jordy as well. Yeah,
0: head Canada national team head coach. He had he had Dylan in a very very similar role, and I have to say the buy in yeah. for him for his country was great. Who, knew, who We didn't know if that was going to carry over to the NBA, but you know, I mean, you know, I want to give Jordy some uh, some love there as well.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, the, Jordy deserves some credit. Ime Udoka obviously uh, deserves credit there as well. Um, when it comes to you know, I, I'm not. I'm surprised, but it makes more sense to me that you could add a couple veterans and effort and scheme your way to a really good defense. The offense being above league average slightly so far is what has caught me off guard a little bit. And I know there's some mm-hmm. hot three point shooting there. But, Tim, what do you make of the strides that Shengun has taken this year and maybe how close he is to being able to operate as that kind of key number one hub for a team?
6: And, and the biggest question with him was, could he play defensively? Mm-hmm. You know, could he be stay on the floor for starter type minutes to play against starters and closing lineups defensively? Um, and, if, man, give Adoka credit for making that happen. But, look, this wasn't the Rockets' plan. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Rockets thought this guy was going to be a star because they threw a bunch of money at Brook Lopez, moved contracts because they thought it was a done deal, and then got ditched at the altar. So I think Brook Lopez ultimately did the Rockets a favor because, look, if Shingun is going to be like a legit number one, you know, superstar type of guy, I, I don't know about that, but I think you could run offense through him and score a lot of points.
0: Yeah, the, the matchup between him and Jokic, uh, what was really actually really, really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Two really skilled, slow-plotting guys, and I'm happy that those guys still have a place in the league because it is uh, – I like – Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I like Shinguns. He he does the Dirk, but in slow motion, where he just kind of starts tilting back on one leg and then you know releases that mid ranger. Yeah, he, oh, no, he he is fun to watch
0: though. Yeah, he he does the year twenty Dirk, but he's in year like four, <laughs> exactly. three. Yeah, um, there you go. Well, Eme obviously Eme is is has done a really good job uh, with this group, and I don't want to look ahead to the coach of the year kind of thing already, but. Um, It does seem like, especially now that he's had two opportunities to be a head coach, uh, first in Boston and now in Houston as well, like, it does seem to be that the caring, enduring uh, trait for him is that he is just able to really get the group to buy in and be really focused and locked in on defense. And, um, you know, if you could do it with the Houston Rockets of any team, I mean... Like I know they brought in some veterans and all that kind of stuff, but right. it's it's unbelievable that this team is actually guarding at a high of a level. So what is that? I mean, I don't know. What's what's your impression of Ime just on that front?
6: I mean, yeah. Listen, his teams clearly are going to be tough and they are going to compete. And then you know that, that, that's the thing. For getting Bamblee Brooks, it's so important. Is he helps them, or he helped, or they help? Rather, Ime Adoka set that tone and like maintain that this is the expectation. This is not just the expectation, but like, this is the demand. And, uh, you know, obviously one year in Boston, the finals run and, uh, you know, 10 games in, uh, it, it looks like a miracle worker in Houston. That looks, and I don't think the Rockets are going to be a playoff team this year. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. But, uh, like I said, as far as establishing that culture, which is huge in the development of those young dudes, no doubt that's, that's being done.
0: Well, um, another team that you spent a, a lot of time covering, well, at least in, in years past, I don't know how often you'll be going to Memphis this year. <laughs> um, so preseason, we were doing, you know, over-unders, you know, classic kind of podcasting. And uh, mm-hmm. I had I had it as a lock that the Grizzlies are going to be over, I think, 51 and a half wins. Um, maybe, it was, maybe it was a little lower than Maybe it was like 48 or something. But I, I just thought, you know, they're going to be still really great on defense, and that alone is going to carry you to a lot of it. Um, is there any hope at all left for this lock uh, up on the Grizzlies? Because when I watch the Grizzlies, that, that team does not look good at all, man. L- listen, uh,
6: can I, like, manufacture a case for some hope that they could still be a playoff team, you know, uh, can still get to the play-in? Sure. 50, you said 51 and a half? I, I, I made the, the line must been.
0: I think it was, like, maybe much lower than that. Ooh. Otherwise, I don't know why I would have locked it in. But, yeah, regardless, <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. I was talking to I was talking to an executive with another team in the West, and he said he's got a little, you know, uh, inner office uh, side bet. Uh-huh. He took Grizzlies under thirty five and a half. Whoa! Way, whoa. This had to be buddies. after the Stephen was, Adams news, right? I think it. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, I, and again, this is just a bet between oh. buddies. Yeah,
3: yeah.
6: But that's how low. That's how low. Uh, a guy who you know, obviously. Nobody's right all the time, but that's how little a guy knows what he's talking about was on the Grizzlies. Man, we just talked about how much Dylan Brooks has meant to the Rockets. He was a huge part of what they did, what they did well mm-hmm. in in Memphis. I mean, he is one of, if not the best wing defender in the league, and they've missed that for sure.
1: That's a it's a tough one. Um wanted to pivot elsewhere in the Western Conference here on the latest hoop collective. You guys did uh most uh players who deserve more recognition, not most underrated, but players who everyone should be watching a little bit more. Now, those were largely in the Eastern Conference, but there was a Western Conference one in De'Aaron Fox. Uh Sacramento kind of a, a fun story last year as this team that overperformed mm-hmm. and reached, you know, at that time a, a record offensive efficiency. Uh they're six and four right now. De'Aaron Fox is such a blast to watch. Um, how do you think? people in Sacramento, or how do you think we should look back on that Halliburton-Sabonis swap, given wh- how good both players have been for their new teams and how good Fox has been alongside Sabonis?
6: Yeah, and look, I killed the trade at the time. I thought it was absolute robbery by the Pacers, and the Pacers are still doing backbooks about it, clearly. But I did underestimate how much that... Uh, you know, ha- how well Sabonis could play for Sacramento and, you know, that partnership. And like, I, I, I understand the logic of, Hey, Darren Fox is a league guard, you know, Halliburton's not going to be able to, to play that role here. This guy's a good fit. And it's worked. like Sacramento doesn't have to apologize for it. It's worked out. They they broke a 16 year playoff drought by being a three seed. <laughs> it would do the front office that does that. You don't have to, you don't have to say sorry for uh, for letting Halliburton go, but man, oh. Halliburton's a stud, and I, I thought he was a stud then, and he's honestly better than I thought. Uh, so <laughs> I stand by my opinion that, uh, that the Pacers get the best of the deal by a long shot.
0: Yeah, it's a win-win, but one team definitely won more than the other. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Um. By the way, Halliburton, just watching him, I mean, it's 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 – don't know my pace the pacers are definitely my league pass favorites number one because they're always on league pass (laughs) there
6: you know
0: there's no regional uh uh, restrictions or anything like that you could just watch them on league pass 82 games a year um but when i watch Halliburton, i'm like this is my favorite point guard passer since steve nash and you know like it's he he has a different trait uh of sort of how he plays and there's definitely more athleticism than, than steve but the creativity, the little deceptions that he put into the game—I mean, it, it's, uh, its definitely a lot of fun. Um, not a lot of fun right now. Well, plus, yeah, go ahead. Well, plus, I was
6: gonna say, you watch the Pacers, you get to see somebody in another team score forty or fifty too.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, t- the over on Pacers games is free money uh, as of right <laughs> now, uh, unless it's like two seventy or something. Anyway, um, something less fun—the the, the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, so we have the news today: Russell Westbrook putting his hand mm-hmm. up to come off the bench reported everywhere, all right? Everyone is very mm-hmm. clear that this was Russ's idea. He should get the credit for coming off the bench. Is this a solution here? Like, is do they just need to sort of balance it out? I think Terrence Mann's going to be in his place, a, a guy who is more used to being, I suppose, a role player. Although I feel like Russ has been playing a good role for the Clippers since he's joined there, uh, at least before Harden came around. But, um, yeah, is this, is this a step in the right direction for the Clippers who remain uh, in search of their first win uh, post-Harden?
6: Well, it, this had to be Russ's idea for it to have any chance to work, okay. or at least it has to be sold as Russ's idea. But there, either him, they had to break up him and Harden. Those guys are not compatible. They, they, they were they were issues with their compatibility uh, in Houston, and that's when Harden was one of the best one-on-one players in the world. You can't – he's a, he's a pick-and-roll guy who needs a big now, and you – like, Russ can't be the third or fourth offensive option <laughs> – in the lineup where that's happening. So this had to happen. I I am skeptical about it being smooth, though, um, because it's not just, hey, Russ, you're not starting. I don't think he's going to close. He has not closed these last couple of games, and I, there's still a, a lot of potential for fireworks there. And honestly, like, if you're Russ, that trio had great numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he wanted it, if he wanted to be upset about it, he could be, you know, they talked to him about this deal before he was on board. Yada yada yada. Um, I, it's a move that had to happen, and, and I'm skeptical about the way that Russ will handle it, just based on obviously, uh, you know, his history and understanding of uh, the NBA ego. Yeah,
1: we'll see how it. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, they got to get to the playoffs before we can see how it works in the playoffs. They're certainly not headed to uh, the postseason version of the in-season tournament. They're already zero and two, so they're. Uh, they're dead in the water there. Uh Tim, we did want to ask you a little bit about the in-season tournament. Raptors get underway uh for their portion of Finally. it tonight. Yeah, they're the last Finally. team to get involved. But I don't really care that much about your opinion. Well, I do care about your opinions on the in-season tournament overall, but you guys revealed today that you're doing a live hoop collective down in Vegas. That's yeah. the, like the the opportunity for sports media people to go to Vegas in the middle of the winter. That's the headline item here for the in-season tournament, right? <laughs>
6: Hey, I'm all for it. I hope the thing is a huge success. I do think it's had a little jolt of uh, interest, uh, excitement. You know, we can talk about the courts being a marketing gimmick. Duh. Uh, you know, that's the point. I think it's been a successful marketing gimmick. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about this on the pod uh, the other day, like if it's if say like a, a, a Halliburton or, you know, either the guys we just talked about they're on that stage and, you know, gets a chance to lead to showcase some young players like that, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. You know, no doubt. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, look, listen, I think for the Raptors, it, it's funny because partially because they're starting so late, but it's like if they lose this game tonight against the Celtics, who I uh, already, I think, won their first one uh, by 14, it's like you're basically already eliminated from uh, <laughs> potentially winning your pool. Now, of course, you get a wild card or whatever, but like obviously you're trying to win your pool and – that's got to be a huge adjustment for NBA fans. It's just like you lose one, two games, like you're you're actually done. I think this is the biggest adjustment. Well, yeah,
6: right. But there are also regular season games, so it's it's not like sure. you know this is everything. This, is, but they they count toward the. If this was separate from the regular season, it'd be a total disaster. The fact that it's a little section of the regular season. Uh, you know, like, you care about the games maybe a little bit more than your typical regular season game, or maybe not, but <laughs> there's no downside. Yeah. Well, um,
0: you know, on, on the subject of Vegas, at least, uh, we had we had uh, Adam Silver on the show yesterday, which is still blowing my mind, and we asked him about... <laughs> <laughs> now, those
6: are the kind of footsteps I can follow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, listen, once we have Adam, we, we got to maintain a high standard. You know, we can't exactly just invite Montem's <laughs> back. Uh, sorry, Bon exactly, so no. but- We probably will invite you back as well, uh, but we will not tell you about all the slander. But anyway, on the subject of expansion, right? Um, and we we asked him about it because I think he he brought up just men- mentioned that Vancouver and Montreal had reached out to the league and, and sort of were trying to mm-hmm. interested. So we were trying to ask him a Canadian perspective. But his answers overall, he kind of just shut down any idea of expansion, which I was a little surprised by. Maybe it's just we've been hearing about the league wants to take care of the TV deal and then they want to do yeah thirty two teams with Vegas and Seattle, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess he can't publicly comment on that until everything is fully in line. But is that is that what is ex- to be expected with the league? Is that Vegas will be uh, one of the new teams coming up in like three, four years?
6: Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it's any scenario other than what you just said. Um, you know, Seattle will get the Sonics back, and Vegas will have you know the two be determined. Um, and obviously, the league has done a ton of business in Vegas, and now that. Well, basically, they're they business partners with all the casinos. Essentially, uh, you know, those concerns are are long out the window. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you you can play, you know, you have a nice, pleasant small talk with the people in other cities, but it's going to be Vegas and Seattle. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, it feels that way, and, and we can already start doing our expansion protection lists and stuff like that in uh, in theory. But yeah, I mean, look, there, there's a potential maybe. More than that, maybe he's just, you know, stoking the fires. Maybe he's being honest, first of all, but also, uh, you know, you want markets to think there, there's a potential chance for it uh, down the line because it keeps bidding strong and it keeps uh, franchise fees strong and things like that. Um, Tim, one thing that came up in kicking that around and talking after, um, t- could you see a scenario where the league ever expanded beyond 32
6: I mean, sure. Down the road, uh, I I would say the pool of players is is probably expanding, uh, just because it's such a worldwide game now. Um, you know, and and these billionaires like to become, you know, they like to stack billions. So (laughs) if it makes businesses down the road, I think certainly it's a possibility. Well,
0: Well, um, Tim, good luck with, uh, the, the live event in Vegas. Um, you know i I, where's the so what's the venue like what's the venue size what do you know the details of this like how many people are you trying to have at this thing
6: Uh, i think it's Jimmy kimmel's comedy club at the link i think no big deal 300 (laughs) 300. (laughs) no but it's not like a huge place though right i think i I, don't don't quote me on that but it's it's in hundreds and not thousands
0: got you got you no that's uh that's exciting you know um not to brag, but we've we've done some live shows as well, and uh, I think the oh okay the, the nut well I mean yeah i have just bragged oh, we I'm still on the show we do live shows and all this other stuff whatever but uh, my only advice that you didn't ask for is um, you know just get ready to take like 200 selfies all right because this is this is what these live events are for <laughs> they, they kind of want to hear you guys talk they maybe want to hear a couple stories you know but realistically they want to take a photo of you so just get ready for that that's all. Well-
6: well, that's the part that Wendy's looking forward to the most.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why he does. How much time does Windhorse put on his hair? By the way, I don't. I don't know if you know that, but it, it, I,
6: I think he's, I think he's got it down to a science. I think he's pretty. Uh, he, one thing I know about Wendy, he, he finds a way to be efficient.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, obviously, yeah. You can you can catch Tim on uh, the Hoop Collective, number one basketball pod for me. Uh, besides Raptor Show, but you know, like, uh, <laughs> inter- like, whatever, all the caveats. But cool. seriously, it's it's genuinely my favorite basketball pod. So appreciate you for joining the show, but also for making lots of great content.
6: Hey, we'll take number two. I appreciate it, fellas. All right.
0: Tim McMahon, ESPN. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. I still have yet, yet to meet him in
1: person. Me, too, actually, which is a little odd considering, you know, I spent a couple of years like fully on the road. How was that, by the way? I miss it a lot. You miss being on the road, yeah. It's uh like obviously you. It sounds exhausting, man. When I traveled at, for many points, it is, but I didn't. I didn't travel for like forty one games. Like Kareen okay, and okay. I, Karine and I would split about twenty five, and then okay. So I don't know. It was like four road trips over the course of the season. So That's think of, think of it as like I don't know, like a one five or six day trip a month. Even yeah, um, it's cool. You get to see other cities and see writer friends and other friends in other places. Um, I also think as we reach an era where fewer and fewer media outlets travel their people, there's even more value to those like conversations you just have on the road. Um, You know, a pregame locker room that nobody else is in a postgame locker room where, you know, there's not a lot going on there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I miss
0: that element of it as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like that time we went down to practice in training camp and it was me and you and I think Savannah was there too, but yeah. it was, it was, it was nice. But that's it was really what it's like on the road. So. And, and yeah. like, look, I guess that's why you do it. You, you do it for the access. Yeah. And, and that's and the whole point.
1: There was, you know, there was a thinking at, at one time in the industry where, and I'm, I'm not that old, even though this sounds like an old head story, but like part of why you went on the road trip was to play defense. Because if the Toronto star has something and the Toronto sun doesn't off of a road game, then one or the other look look bad or you didn't have that um so you know it was kind of a mutually assured thing where if one if one travel you both have to travel because you don't want the other one to have something that you don't now that's not really the case at all like there's there's not nearly as much travel around the beat or or overall um but yeah i would think there's even more value to being the the few people on the road now i'm getting the wrap it up b it's
0: all good because I, i i love talking just behind the scenes media you know what i mean like i you know, I, I want to ask more of these seasoned reporters, better reporters. Oh, my mic is on. All right, Alex, we know we got to wrap it up. All right, we're going to take, take a this break, break, guys. We're taking this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the SportsNet Radio Network. When we come back, Alex Wong returns, Blake dips off, and uh, we have another guest coming in.
3: Everything Raptors, before and after the games
0: The Raptor Show with Will
3: Lou.
4: Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify,
2: or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined for segment four by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who has finally sobered up after his book event and uh, uh, karaoke last night. Great performances.
4: We forgot to do Pitbull last do you- night. Time of our lives Yeah, for karaoke. All
0: right, well, yeah, we have, we have, we'll probably do karaoke a million more times together, so we'll have lots of time for that. But right now, we are joined by Suichi Tirada of Mass Live, a.k.a. the Boston Will Lou. Got the split screen going. What's going on, man?
7: What's up? It's good to be here. The split screen looks great,
4: man. I'm in a will Lose sandwich right now. Basically,
7: <laughs> this is
4: a will Lose sandwich. Holy! Now, for for people that want to know a little behind the scenes, uh-huh. you know, oh man, I can't look at the screen right now. I'm sorry. I gotta I gotta just look at Will. I'm sorry, sweetie, But I told you guys to coordinate your fits, and yeah. you both have on. Uh, you know, a soccer kit. Um, I did tell you guys to coordinate kind of the facial hair situation. How's, how's uh, that? No, What's no, the no. review? I,
0: I can't get on his level, man. Okay. I can't get on his level. Oh, okay.
4: Um. Anyways, I know you guys got to link up in Vegas uh, before we talk about Raptors-Celtics and all that stuff tonight. Sweetie, what was it like finally connecting with Will in person this summer?
7: It was great. It was... I did not expect it. I think I was just waiting for, like, the game to be over and the Celtics were going to play. And then my beat partner, he... Pointed down over he was just like, Hey, is that is that your doppelganger? And I'm like, I think so. So we we went to go say Who what's said up. That Gary was Washburn? Fun. Was it Gary Washburn? No, it wasn't. It no, was not Gary. It was not <laughs> Gary. Uh, <laughs> it was my B partner, Brian Rob. He's oh yeah,
4: Brian. Guy. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's a awesome. friend
7: of uh, Michael Pena. So yeah, it was really cool though. Um it was funny though will was like we don't really look that alike but ah, i fine. agree but well so i don't yeah, know for the for is.
0: this for this segment right now <laughs> you know what i mean the way you the, the, the way your hair is tied up is similar to mine we both yeah, got thick red black my... glasses on
7: i got the got the glasses just for this
0: oh, yeah you, you did and 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 we did coordinate fits we i, I did tell you to put on why i I don't know. I guess we were going to put on those similar kind of fit. But yeah, this
4: is what producers yeah. do, man.
0: Adidas. Um, this is a France kit, but it's also kind of like Japanese-inspired as well. Oh, okay. The design. That's oh, yeah. the closest I like one that. I had to a Japanese kit. I'm yeah.
4: Gonna, well, yeah. we started We started today's show by having Gary Trent Jr. in an interview like rank, like Rate Will Lose Fits. Um, I think next time we got to sneak in a Boston Will Lose Fit in there. <laughs> okay. And yeah. see what Gary thinks about it. I like that. It. Let's All do right. it. Yeah. Um,
0: one more. We had one more... Um, I guess Asian question before we got the basketball
4: (laughs) karaoke is not Asian. It's worldwide. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. We, we, we had a great time at karaoke last night with our friends and want to know like, you know, I've got my own selection of songs. You know, will likes his little Fergie Mm. big girls. Don't cry Mm. situation. Like if, if, when you finally come to Toronto later this year, because unfortunately you couldn't join us, you know, for tonight's game. Like, Mm -hmm. and we hit up karaoke uh, in Chinatown, in Toronto. Like, what what are you picking, like, as your first song?
7: Yes, I'm actually pretty terrible at karaoke. But I'm a big sing-along taylor swift guy yes. oh, i'm like okay. a singer okay so yeah, as a result yeah. i always pick her bangers and yeah. people always sing along with me okay. and it kind of drowns out my own voice yeah we hit that um, we hit actually, that you along
4: with me last night and it was, oh uh, exactly it was yes yeah.
7: i was thinking that one love story mm. um yeah. shake it off is a good one one of those ones yeah. i remember mm. for my 22nd birthday my favorite college bar has karaoke every thursday through saturday night so we went out and there's a video of me i'll have to send it to you because i just remember that of me just belting out "Party in the USA." Oh, we did that's that last another night one. too. That's another yeah, one. Yeah, that one's yeah. that one's a great one All
4: too. All right, let me N-N-I. check. Let me check when the Celtics are coming back in later this season. Well, that'll <laughs> be the most. That'll
0: be the most fun part about the Celtics coming to Toronto because it won't be the game for the Raptors' <laughs> perspective. Sorry, guys. Guys, the uh, Adam
4: Silver era is over. Welcome to the real Raptors show. Uh, uh, what
0: else, Will? Well, what else was I going to say? No, I mean yeah. I was going to say that was the big cultural difference because um, karaoke at a bar. Mm. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about going up to a stage no. and in a mm-hmm. pub and someone's mm-hmm. like singing Wonderwall like we're talking about in a private room, yeah, mm-hmm. and they bring you like twenty dollar bottles of soju. <laughs> Or in this case, surprisingly expensive $40 Oh,
4: Thanks for paying last night, guys. No problem, guys. Uh, (laughs) I
0: I could just, you know, get some some cash back. It would be great. I don't know if I got $80 worth of karaoke in for myself personally. But uh, anyway, no one's here to hear about that. I guess everyone's here to talk about the Boston Celtics. Mm. And look, we we know about the stars, right? We know about the stars, but also going through your timeline. And I saw something where you are supposedly telling a story about the Hauser brothers, the Sam Hauser brothers. (laughs) What is going on? Alex was so. Upset when he saw this in the rundown. So please, please, please upset him further.
7: Oh, man. So Sam Hauser obviously plays for the Celtics. He's probably like the seventh guy right now yeah, yeah, off yeah. the bench after the top six here. He's been playing really well. Mm-hmm. He's been shooting the lights out of the ball, but I was impressed with how. He he he's just been really good on both ends of the court. Like you just see, basically, right, like the six foot seven, six foot eight white guy. So a lot of teams try to isolate him, and this goes back to last year. And he's actually held up pretty well. Like mm. I'm not gonna go out and say he's like this great perimeter defender, but you know, six nine wingspan. I think like he's held his own. But the fun fact is, and why I spoke about this on a podcast yesterday, and I've talked to Sam about it, but his brother played college basketball at my uh school or alma mater, I guess, at Michigan State. And so I talked to him like a handful of times last year about it. So aside from the Hauser parents, I think I watched every minute, every second of the Hauser characters, but Mm. yeah. Wow, uh, season, that? So. Well, what was yeah. his
0: brother's game like? I don't want to stereotype, so I'm just going to assume he wasn't a good shooter and maybe a big rebounder. No, he
7: was an awesome shooter. Yeah, uh, we actually was. miss him a lot this year. Yeah, so a lot of, okay. you know, you guys don't know this, but I'm a big Michigan State sicko. Uh, okay. I just All
4: love. Right. I'm aware. Spartans. I started following you on socials, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah I'm so <laughs> I am <was> aware. <actually laughs> um, I saw you in Japan this summer. Don't worry about it, <laughs> Sweetie. Yeah. Where was he in Japan? Oh, I tracked out his every meal, man. He saw some family there. who was <laughs> up in this <laughs> tower for a little bit. Yeah, it was
7: awesome, there. um... (laughs) (laughs) yeah i had had a lot of michigan state gear on but uh Mm. it was actually funny i was at the game they played duke on tuesday and jason obviously played for duke and he had one of his buddies from duke and he he talked a little trash to me because i flew from chicago to philly uh like early in the year so i made it to shoot around so duke assistant coach started talking because i was wearing my little little spartan head he's like hey man how was the game last night and i was like dude I'm on, like, four hours of sleep. Like, please mm-hmm. leave me alone. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I was talking about how Sam Hauser and Joey Hauser though, which is... Uh,
4: Joey, Joey Houser, Joey Houser, Joey Houser oh, yes. Wait. Was that on the NBC oh, primetime lineup yeah, in the 90s, instantly, man? Just... I, I know
0: he would instantly be the best shooter on the
7: raft. Joey
4: Hauser. <laughs> Joey
7: <laughs> I think he's Goodness. a free agent, so uh I think <laughs> Hell, he yeah. is available to be picked up. He was on a two-way deal with the Jazz, and I think he got waived. Oh, so... for real? Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I you... think so. He shot, like, 48% from three last year. College Giants are so a little bit different. You but know way a, too much about yeah. Joey Hauser,
4: bro. Yo, this, this, hey, oh, man, oh.
7: I like I said, I'm a huge Michigan State sicko. It's hilarious that we're talking about this right now, though. Uh, no. this is this is the number one thing people want to know about the Boston Celtics.
0: Uh, what <laughs> else do people want to know about the Boston Celtics? Uh, Joe Missoula leveling up. It seems like you know Joe Missoula is public enemy number yeah. one here in Toronto. We have Dennis Schroeder <laughs> on the show every week, and we we asked flex. Dennis about it. You know, yeah, that's what the whole show is now. It's just one giant flex. But like Dennis is <laughs> on the show, we asked him about it. He said it was disrespectful that he challenged the call. Up twenty seven. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in Boston, people were were loving that. Um, that I think he came to the defense of Luke Cornett or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it seems like at least in Boston's perspective, like Joe Mazzulla is leveling up. So what does leveling up look like for Joe Mazzulla tangibly?
7: Leveling up looks like at least for the media, he's much more. You know, I remember. I think. Alex, you asked this on the podcast last year, and you were like, how is it covering Joe Mazzullo? Because he had like a weird quip after, I think it was like game one against the Sixers. And he was like, game two, he's like, how's that for adjustments or something? So Mm. he's been a lot more, I feel like, secure. Yeah, he's been a lot more secure when it comes to media. I think he's a lot more comfortable, and you kind of see that translate onto the court. Like last year, I thought the defense was generally pretty vanilla. Like they were still pretty good. But this year, they're kind of mixed against stuff, a little bit more press. Um, you're adding a guy like Porzingis in, like they're still, I believe, number two in defensive rating right now. So they're still really good. Like I was a little skeptical how that was going to look, especially when you lose a guy like Marcus Smart, because Smart, for all his faults, like he was awesome on the defensive end. And part of the reason why he won defensive player of the year as a guard was because he was such a big communicator and that was part of the narrative. So you lose that. I was kind of like, what's going on here? But you had a guy like you holiday in, you got Porzingis playing really well as a rim defender, and all of a sudden you look awesome. And I think Joe should get a lot of credit. Like you can tell he's ten times more comfortable this year going in, you know, with it being his second year, but also he got like a full summer to like actually know what the expectations for the season were. Like Right, like a week before training camp, like he was a low-level second, you know, second row assistant coach, and all of a sudden he's coaching one of the best teams in basketball. So, in terms of loving up, like I just think you see a much more secure person, and that that's translated really everywhere. Yeah, I
0: guess I'm not. That makes a lot of sense because you don't fully appreciate just how young he is as well. Like there was
4: Mm. a was this Joe Mazula propaganda? No, there was just that that (laughs) when he when he made that
0: that timeout and the Raptors went over to him and then he like chatted Mm. with Thad Young and Garrett Temple and I'm like. Thad Young's nine days older than Joe Mazzulla, and then Garrett yeah. Temple's like two years older than Joe Mazzulla. Like the Raptors have two guys on our, the team that are older than the opposing coach. Now I feel You're
4: like we got two two <laughs> Joe jo Mazzulas on our bench. I'm just saying, you know, like
0: <laughs> they're right there. But uh, yeah, I, I guess he is leveling up, which which is which is good. I mean, look, listen, adding a lot of talent as well is is going to be huge. Uh, but in terms of a guy who's been around for a long time, and I know he's he's a, probably a local cult hero at this point. Especially when he plays the Philadelphia 76ers as Al Horford. Um, <laughs> why is he so successful against Joel Embiid? Like, is, is he just taking over, mm. like, Marcus Hall's, uh, you know, responsibility as the caretaker, let's just say, so to speak, <laughs> uh, for, for Joel, for young Joel? <laughs>
7: Yeah, so uh, funny that you bring up Al. So obviously Al had an awesome game against the Sixers. Talked a lot of trash to Embiid. He is also two years older than Joe. So
4: it's just, <laughs> it's just fascinating no, but, thing, yo. right? No, it's but just, Succi, like, we, we, right. Saw, we saw in the playoffs last year, there were times mm-hmm, when right. Al Horford was leading the huddles. Yeah. Like, legit, yeah. right? So, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, Joe is getting outranked everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's <wild>. The funny <laughs> thing is also Joe Mazula played against Jimmy Butler, like, multiple times in college. Oh, yeah, in his baggy mm-hmm. shorts.
7: Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, he's only 35 years old. Like, Al has two years on him. It's not, like, that's pretty significant, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of a weird dynamic there. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about Al and playing the Sixers. Like, every time he's in Philadelphia, he mm-hmm. gets booed, like, relentlessly. Right. Like, they do the, oh, Jason Tatum sucks during the st- starting lineup or whatever. Okay. Um, but for Al Horford, like there's like oh, okay. There's a little bit of like social media aspect to that. I know um, his sisters. I know right, Sixers. I yeah, I know his uh, Sixers fans hate his sister. She talks <laughs> a lot of trash. Oh, too, so, this, like, is, this is Anna Horford, like right? Anna yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think Sixers that's part, and part of it. I've Do you know who they? Yeah. Should, you know
4: who Sixers fans should be mad at? Elton Brand. <laughs> Um, because oh. like, like you know, Elton Brand was responsible for a lot of these moves, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I know Al wasn't happy in in Philadelphia, but like, you mm. know, like Elton Brand should be the one that they should be booing. But doesn't that want to make you step on, <laughs> step Elton, on Brand's? Elton Brand's neck? Yeah. <laughs>
7: <Sorry>. <laughs> no, it's just the thing with Al is like nobody quite knew how much he had left in the tank when he came back to Boston because mm-hmm. he took mm-hmm. essentially that year off with a Thunder, like signed with Philly, had that uh, kind of just oh, like yeah. a mid year. And he was with the Thunder. He took a sabbatical. And he yeah, like he and then like that was part of like the huge narrative when they made the finals, like because he was playing awesome. He yeah. was what thirty five at that time, and everyone was like, he basically got like a year and a half off between the pandemic and this yeah. weird COVID season that he took off. So I was a little skeptical about him, not like skeptical to see how much he had it left in the tank, just because he is thirty seven, like his seventeenth year in the league. But like, there's something about Embiid that gets him going. I don't know, like Embiid is pretty honest, I think, when he talks about the Celtics, like he's like I, I forgot what year it was but he remember when he was basically like yeah this, this isn't a rivalry like the celtics always beat us like i think there's a little bit of like a mental block for him and i'm sure al like really exacerbates that just being a former teammate and there's for some reason every time al hits a three and like one of the corners of the gym like a sixers fan always talked to him like he was talking trash last game on wednesday and i, I that happened last season too so there's just something about philly and al holford and that whole dynamic just fascinating yeah It's great. it's great to see.
4: Yeah. And I mean, Celtics are like what nine and two right now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think we've talked on our show, too, about, you know, the big moves that they made, obviously bringing Chris Stapps and then the Drew Holiday trade closer to the start of training camp. Like, aside from that, like, we know what the Celtics team is. They've obviously been in championship contention. Like, what's like the big storyline now? Because like, we kind of know, like Jason Tatum is who he is. I know Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown signed the new contract. Like, as you guys, like, I know everybody's probably already, like, waiting to see what the playoffs are going to look like. The regular season isn't going to mean, like, that much to them. Like, what mm. are the main storylines right now for the Celtics team?
7: Yeah, they're just really incorporating the pieces into each other. And I think that's kind of the scary part about the Celtics, because I don't think they've really hit their ceiling in some sense. Like, because last year, the Celtics also got off to a really hard start, hot start. And it was 21-5. and They had just blown, like, they were up, like, 50 in Phoenix. Mm. And it was was just, the vibes were amazing. But it came with this caveat of this unsustainable three-point shooting. And once, right, like, people were hitting, like, half their threes. It was guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. Good shooters, but, like, you just can't expect that over the whole season. And all of a sudden, like, they pretty much immediately after 21-5, and I remember I was at the Warriors game NSF finals rematch. They lose that. They kind of get into a little bit of a slump. And they kind of peaked then at that 21-5 and start. Whereas this year, like, they're 9-2. and Things are good. But you can still tell there's incorporating pieces. Like Drew, he kind of took over in some sense in that Philly game in, in terms of taking shots and leading the bench unit. But like he hasn't really had any marquee moments. Like Christoph porzingis like he's still kind of incorporating himself into the game. Like there, there was one game where he only shot four times. And it was just mm-hmm. one of those things where like the Celtics don't need him to shoot that much because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Derek White, Drew Holiday, et cetera. So I think that's a little bit of where I'm at in terms of like they still have to incorporate pieces, they still have to get better in terms of like how they play together. But like the fact that they look this good living games then is it's a little bit like, oh, okay, like I think Celtics fans should be happy about that, just because like you've seen when you make these big trades, like you've seen like with the Bucks, sometimes it does take a little bit of time. Like the big three Miami LeBron era. Um, there are plenty of super teams, plenty of talented teams that have started slow, but this Celtics team just kind of taking care of business in a in a sense of like it's kind of boring in some ways to cover it because Like the Philly game was fun, but there's been a lot of blowouts mixed in when you're just kind of like, okay, well, the better team won today. And that's kind of all that happened in some ways. Do you know how you sound? (laughs) I sound horrible. (laughs) I know. know I'm not from Boston. You sound entitled. You sound, entitled.
4: Bosses, so exactly oh my God, you sound entitled, my brother. What I
7: wouldn't give <laughs> to do eighty-two slander
0: pods a year because the Raptors <laughs> are winning by thirty every game. how like, How boring it is! Damn it,
4: sweetie, man. But, but aside oh, from brother. you know the Raptors playing the Celtics last week, like have you watched the Raptors this season, brother? It's uh, this not offense. Too much, this offense has yeah. been. No, when when we been said a Joey Hauser
0: would be the best three-point shooter on the Raptors, like I'm telling you, if he was in the lineup tonight, <laughs> he would be the best three-point
4: shooter. He the might Raptors. start. Yeah, like oh, man. Yeah. Start.
7: I have been very, yeah. When I watched them last week against the Celtics, I was a little, they started at least somewhat strong. Yeah, it was, it was but fine. yeah, it was fine. Celtics were on a back to back. So I was kind of, but yeah, the spacing and the three point shooting, it was, was very much, it was not great, as you guys would say. The Raptors play basketball like the three point shooting line was never
0: invented uh, or introduced it's, to the NBA. It's, what, it's what
4: Canadian James Naismith envisioned. <laughs> yeah. We're actually playing the Pierce, <laughs> honestly,
0: if they put Peach Baskets up, I think we'd actually be, uh, well, in the playoff picture, more so. But a um, uh, last question, I guess, before you go, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost curious. Dennis spent a really Dennis Schroeder spent a really short time in Boston. Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. the What was the deal like there? What was the vibe? How was the reception? You know of that?
7: Yeah. uh... It was interesting. I think Celtics fans didn't love Dennis in some ways because he obviously he's he has the ball in his hand a lot. And it was just like a fit issue. I think he like he brings I think he's a good basketball player. Like he puts so much pressure on the rim just because he's such a good driver. But it's just like the fit was weird because this was Ime's lone season in Boston. And if you guys will remember, like the Celtics are kind of a like the Celtics are not having a good time. They're 18 yeah. and 21 to start the year. They had their second half turnaround. But like the vibes just seemed off like the fit wasn't great. And like. I don't want to blame Dennis, but like just like playing with a, like a non shooter like Marcus Smart, it just didn't give them much space to operate. So I think like, and he had big games and everything. So it was just very much so like, I think people understood like Dennis was also like a middle exception signing. So like the stakes were pretty low. So it was just kind of like, oh, well, this was fun. They ended up trading him to Houston for Daniel Tice, who's a fan favorite. So like, I think it's just kind of like, like whatever in some ways i think that yeah there it wasn't like any strong emotions aside from like a few big games honestly
0: okay all right
7: yeah good to know maybe
0: i'll ask maybe i'll ask Dennis a little bit more about what happened yeah i mean
4: we have him on every single week i don't know if you wow. knew that Sweetie. What yeah we have adam
0: silver on you know like this I is have, just I what we do now yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's all good <laughs> yeah. but we have you on we'll always
4: well. yo we'll always make room love for you adam. my brother
0: the, the three no,
7: I'm, I'm grateful
0: the shot at the three of us right now the three shot of us right now i know there's somebody <laughs> at like a sports bar somewhere Somebody at a gym somewhere that's someone looking at, at this. Someone
4: at Hong Xing right now is like, "What?
0: <laughs> What's going on?" Someone's very confused somewhere who's watching this on mute. This is that's a Shanghai
4: 360. I've been telling you about my brother. <laughs> uh, brother!
7: No, this is great. I love this. I'm posting this on my social. Be like, look at these three Asian guys just fucking this, this is us. the this representation,
4: is man. This is the willow yeah, sandwich. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but Sweetie, I appreciate you. Like, yeah. definitely text me when you know if you're traveling here. During Yo, for the real, let yeah, yeah we'll do. Let's get those plans locked in. And oh start yeah! Start thinking absolutely.
0: about your karaoke roster right now. All right, I need five songs. Okay, I need right. five. I will. Mm-hmm.
7: Okay, all right. they're all gonna be bangers, sing-alongs. I I don't you want know. to hear me sing. Got right. you. You don't, enjoy you, you don't
4: want to hear me sing, man. All right, we'll talk to you soon, <laughs> Suichi. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, that was you, Torada. Whoa, uh, mass live. Well, a new person spawned up in the studio. <laughs> That's right. We have spawned <laughs> one more new person.
0: So listen, um, we we, yeah. we talked about the the silver interview. Um, mm. From me looking around like Twitter and, and Reddit and stuff like that. Yeah. When, it, when the show stop, got posted. Stop
4: going on Reddit, but yeah. Okay.
0: Was like, wow, they got Adam Silver? Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, I also thought, wow, we got Adam Silver. Yeah. And then the natural question was, how did we land the yes. NBA commissioner yes. on the Raptors show?
4: So a little backstory before we bring in our man, Danielli here. He's the man who made this happen, is... Um, you know, this week I was telling some media people like, you know, at at the Raptors games being like, "Hey man, we're like we're going to have Adam Silver on the show on Thursday." And I was in the media room on Wednesday and I was like, I was like, just to be clear though, guys, like I didn't do this. And Eric Carino was like, "Don't worry, nobody in here thinks you did it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's uh, I know where my standing is in Toronto media, but like Danielle had messaged me on Sunday and I know you can speak a little bit b- about this. I know you've been working with the league office to, to make this happen. So, yeah, let, let us know, man. Let us know the version. Like, what's what happened?
8: Well, first and foremost, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I, this is <laughs> no, thank unique you. circumstance. No, my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Unique circumstances for this to be my first appearance on this show. Oh, it's all mm. good. I mm-hmm. really thought maybe, maybe on the off chance, there'd be an opportunity to talk basketball. But oh, um, yeah. this is pretty cool.
4: You, you no, got to no, 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 wait no, a bit no, for that, Danielle. No, come you, on. You got to know your role, uh, Come on. You're getting a little gassed up right now. <laughs> well, wow.
8: You, you uh, all right, fair, enough. What happens, huh? fair enough. Understood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're in an Asian
4: setting.
8: That's a good visual. You're in hey, a
4: bobby right now, my brother.
8: No. Hey, I know what that is, Alex. I'm aware. I'm. <laughs> I'm cultured enough to understand yeah. what that is.
4: Three, three minutes, Danielle. Um,
8: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, either way. Again, I appreciate you guys having me yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, man. It was a cool process uh, yeah. to work through it with them, mm-hmm. with the NBA. Shout out to the league office and and, and Adam Silver's staff for being yeah. so gracious with it, being very professional in how they went about it. Um, but yeah, we've been trying to do this since the beginning of the season, going yep. through it. And uh, they were clearly interested, obviously, with the in-season tournament starting as well. And today being the first game here in Toronto, um, there was a ton of interest on their end to try and do something to help promote that in particular. And obviously what we are doing here with the Raptors show. So uh, shout out to them. And it was a lot of fun going through that process. And yesterday, obviously, you guys... Nailed the interview. Did a great job. It was cool seeing him on the screen. It was awesome. It was cool.
4: Yeah, no. And and listen, like we always, I know at the end of the shows, like Will's always giving shout outs to everybody. And to be honest, like we probably don't shout out everybody, um, including yourself, Danielle, like aside from the Adam Silver interview, like you help us with so much behind the scenes. And this is one of the things like I'm totally stealing from Darko Ryakovich. You know, there's the chain right in front of you there. We just want you to put that on. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. I'm gonna do All a right. speech, man. You know, guys, winning is fun, man. Isn't winning fun? You get Adam Silver, you get Louis Zatzman. You know, we're we're booking James Herbert. So t- this yo, this week's That's chain, this week's chain goes to Danielle Lee, And we're gonna make this a weekly tradition of, um, you know, just try to highlighting people that help us out behind the scenes. <laughs> out! Um, oh, because cool. because like, listen, like Derek, Jennifer Davis's. All of these people, like, so many people support us. Uh, JR, I forgot about you again. Um, and, <laughs> no, but...
0: Yo, JR was up until midnight editing that, that Gary Trent interview, man. I
4: don't care, man. That's his job. Um, but, you know, Danielle Lee, too. Like, we, we need to... This is what the Raptor show is about, and I think we'll agree. It's about this group effort, and we always want to show love.
8: No, yeah, Thank you, yeah, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yes, and JR deserves a shot. I'll give JR the shout-out. He does a fantastic job. And yesterday, dap me up. Right when Silver's face popped up on the screen, he was like, yo... You did it, man! Yeah. Well, listen. Oh, I was like, listen thank you. Was cool. Please take the
4: chain off when you get off uh, air, Danielli. We need it right back. <laughs> yes, so not appreciate a it. And, I w- don't,
0: and Don't worry, Dan Tomlin. I will be sending in the expense report. All right, forty-four ninety-nine <laughs> no, plus taxes. It was fifty after tax. It was fifty after tax. You can get that uh, at Scotiabank Arena. But uh, seriously, what a great week on the show! Really, really happy with it. And uh, yeah, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Walu. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please write and review. The show, seriously, I feel like we've earned the review at this point, right? Um, thanks once again to Gary Trent Jr. Thanks to Michael Grange, Tim McMahon, Suichi Tarada, producer and co-host Alex Wong, Blake Murphy, board producer Derek Bendale, Jennifer Olnick, David Siss, J.R. Manitav for helping behind the scenes. We'll talk to you next week.